greatest hour in which to live. How many of you really believe that? I really do. I'm, this is not a normal time. And we're not normal people. We don't want to be normal. We want to be Abby normal. And anyway, some of you remember where that came from. I was on Wednesday visiting with Chris Reed and uh, we were down in Fort Mill and, and, um, Chris has been used to um, up in Kansas City. You know, everything you hear is not as it is. And uh, the accuser of the brethren is rampant. And uh, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't you expect one of the great prayer movements of not only this generation, but maybe many generations would come under attack. And the one that, that spearheaded that had vision for that. And that's not to lessen, you know, whatever is going on or had ever happened, but there's a lot of accusation happening, a lot of um, anonymous accusers and things. So anyway, it's Revelation chapter 12. Say, I'm there. We're all there, and there are going to be accusations come your way, and you're going to know how, to, you have to know how to overcome them. And uh, I was talking to Chris before I get into this. I said, you know, Chris, in Revelation chapter 12, there's this that's known as Satan's wrath. Remember, it says, great is his wrath. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, but, and great is his wrath. And I asked him, Chris, you ever heard a message on Satan's wrath? He said, no. Are you going to preach one? And I said, well, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not going to make that the main subject. Maybe it can be one of the areas of wrath, you know what I mean. But we have to know how to operate in this hour. Great is his wrath, there's no question. And uh, one of the great tools that he'll have is the accuser of the brethren. And uh, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, and we love not our life even unto death. But back to what I was speaking with Chris about. Chris told me, and, and I'd heard something about this. Now, you know, we're, we're to be casting out demons, correct? That's our role. But there are those that are known as exorcists you know, from different denominations, and that's what they do. They're exorcists. They cast out devils. And uh, he said the exorcists today that are out there are saying that all the demons that are coming out or manifesting, they're all saying the same thing. You know what they're saying? They're all saying they know their time is short. Because their time is short. That's Revelation chapter 12 as well. It's all part of the hour in which we live the demonic world knows they've got to be about doing their bidding. And, uh, but we should know that we should be doing our bidding. Remember, Jesus said, there's coming an hour when no man will work. And so we must do the works of him who sent us while it is day because night is coming when no man will work. And uh, so we've got to be running the race, running to the nations, doing all we can. Listen, you know and I know. The gasoline, the, the oil, the, you know, things have been shut down. We're now dependent on foreign oil by the most part. Our strategic reserves have been strategically removed, most of it. There's just a little bit left. This has all been by design. But how many of you know the anointing of God is, is greater than all these things that the world could provide you with? 
If you have a little bit of the anointing, you can do great things and beyond whatever we might run out of in the world. We're not going to run out of the anointing. I'd rather have the anointing than all the gasoline and all the things in this world. Now, before I get in the Word, I debated, but I didn't take long. When you, how you ever try to debate with God? It never works. And, uh, but, you know, dreams are going to be very important in this hour. Like, you know, somebody, oh, you came. You said you had a dream last night that we're to this morning to ask the Lord that we be supernaturally inoculated. We receive the vaccine, a supernatural vaccination. You can either have the one they want to give you or you can have the supernatural one. I think I'll choose that one. And so, you know, we should just act on that dream. You know, because dreams are going to be very strategic. They're instructional dreams. They're correctional. They're warning dreams. You know, you, you don't go certain places. The, the Lord's going to help us. So how many of you want a supernatural vaccination from all the diseases, BIO weapons, bi, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I heard that in Russia, the Hong Kong flu suddenly and mysteriously showed up in a certain region. It didn't, didn't mysteriously show up. But anyway, Father, in the name of Jesus, how many of you want? Lord, we pray for our families, our children. Lord, we take this serious. Lord, dreams and visions, we must have them in the hour in which we live. We're led by the Word. We're led by the Spirit. Lord, we ask you for supernatural vaccination, inoculation from diseases, weapons, Lord, viruses, bacterial infections. Father, all these things that would come our way, however they come our way. Lord, we thank you. We're under you. We're under your blood. Our families, our children, our grandchildren, no weapon fashioned against us will prosper. Every tongue, every assignment that is assigned against us not only will not prosper, but we declare condemned in Jesus' name. We pull the authority out of it. We declare that all authority belongs to us because Jesus has given us that authority to tread upon all the power of the enemy. So we Thank you for supernatural vaccination. Right now, Lord, we, we roll up our sleeves to you and we say, yes, Lord, by faith. And Lord, those watching online, they're saying, I want that. Well, we loose that all over the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, that's got to send hell, shockwaves in hell. Well, we want to do that. Now, <clears throat> Yeah, this is what I want to share. I, I have a friend, dear friend, and I've known her for many years, and then another person that I just heard of, but they shared some dreams. And my, my friend said that in the dream, she, was, she looked out a window. She felt fear in the dream. You ever felt fear in your dreams? It's possible. For sure it's possible. And, uh, but anyway, she felt this fear. She woke up. She went and looked. No, didn't wake up. But in the dream, she's awake, alert in the dream. She ran to the window. She saw a total solar eclipse and it began to get darker and darker and darker. She could see the, the encroaching darkness. She started hearing crowds and eruptions and much upheaval out the window. And she looked out on the streets. And I think we've known this. I think Chris spoke a word, but there's going to be upheaval in our streets. There's going to be 
chaos and, and uh, eruptions. And, uh, you know, those that are now hoisting the Palestinian flag and the anti-Israel, all this stuff, you know, these, this is all demonic and it's going to spread. And in fact, I just saw in the UK, you know, it's happening there. But not only for that reason, in Spain, I mean, they're just erupting because they're, they've determined they're not going to be a Muslim nation. Their leaders have said, we're going to be a Muslim nation, so they've lowered the borders, and so the people are rising up, saying, no, we're not going the way you want us to go. In Spain, I think that's amazing, but, you know, all kinds of reasons. And uh, so we, we know this. She said, if I can, I didn't write this down, but she said something about how in another part of a dream, she saw Satan, and he opened his mouth, and she looked into the mouth of Satan. Now, if I had a choice in a dream, I probably wouldn't. I'd go the other way. And, uh, but she looked into It's a dream. So she's just reporting. But she saw, and sometimes you share things just to mess them up. But now, okay, she saw the, the king. Do they have a king in Saudi Arabia? And the president of Turkey, whatever he is, together joining hands, forming plans to sow more seeds of chaos. And she felt that it was very strategic, very timely. Father, if we have any authority here, and we do in Jesus, we ask you to spoil those plans, interrupt the communication, divide and destroy the tongues. That's out of the psalm. That's, that's an imprecatory prayer. Divide and destroy the tongues in Jesus' name and let peace overtake. And then the last dream was, and I'm sharing this because it could happen any hour. But he said that all of a sudden he was in an airplane or maybe in a, a hangar of an airport boarding an airplane. And on the airplane, Jimmy Carter was on the plane. And Jimmy Carter walked over to him and said, or they asked Jimmy Carter, where are you going? He said, I'm going to my funeral. And uh, so anyway, the next thing was they landed and the man got out of the plane, went to Jimmy Carter's house there in Plains, Georgia, and saw all the people. He had died, and he was in a casket, and uh, there were people coming in and out of the house, and he was standing outside the house just observing. It really happened. He saw that Jimmy Carter had died, and he said a man walked up to him, introduced himself. His name was Neil Howell. Hail, but uh, I, I don't remember. Maybe, but anyway, he wrote the book, the uh, the turning, the fourth turning, and the man, the fourth turning is about the cycles and seasons that a nation goes through, and how often history repeats itself. And what he saw coming in this hour, and it's all coming to pass. I need to read that book. I read parts of it. I need to go back and read it again. But anyway, and read it fully. But uh, but then the man stood and spoke to the man and said, uh, this is a turning point. Now, you know, Jimmy Carter's been in hospice for what? Nine months? That's abnormal. You're supposed to just be there for days or weeks. But uh, so the Lord, it's as if the Lord has held him. But something's going to happen when he dies. It's a turning point. I, you know, we'll have to see then, weigh this out. You discern... You judge everything by the Word of God. But we're living in incredible days, and we've got to have all ears open to the King of glory. There are many voices. Make sure we discern 
You know, the, the Bible says those that, that are blind are those who say they can see. He said, there's none blind but my servants because they think they see. But those who confess their blindness are those that actually were going to see in this hour. Tell me if you know that. The church of Laodicea. They thought, man, they were increased with goods. They could see clearly. They had understanding. The Lord said, no, you're blind, miserable, poor, wretched, naked. I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined in the fire and such. And so we need to ask the Lord for wisdom, for counsel from heaven. Confess our blindness. It's a good thing to say, Lord, I can't see unless you give me sight. Lord, I can't hear unless you give me ears to hear. That's what revelation is about. Those that have ears to hear. You don't get those ears because you're born. You get them because the Lord, you've asked him for them. And your heart has been humbled and you have ears. You want to hear what heaven is saying. But you know, those dreams, I'm just thinking about Isaiah 51. It's not foreign from the scripture, but just listen to this. He says, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke. And the earth will grow old like a garment. And those who dwell in it will die in like manner. You say, well, boy, is that the end of the story? But, but my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will not be abolished. And he says, listen to me, you who know righteousness. And so we got to hear God today. You know, we're going to be blessed because it, I woke up the other morning thinking, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That kept going over and over. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord God. And we want to be those whose God is Lord. And we want this for our nation. We want that for the nations of the earth. It's going to be true. Righteousness, right standing before God is what exalts a nation. Sin is the destruction will lead to the downfall of any nation. Any nation you can think of. And right standing with God, it only comes through Jesus Christ. The cross is not an add-on. It's not a, you know, just a little pause in history. It's the main thing. No man, no nation will know God outside of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the, I'm the life. No man knows the Father. No man can come. You remember, Jesus, was it in John chapter 8? I'm going to get to the message. But he said, uh, there were those, they said they were the descendants of Abraham. And Jesus said, I know you're the descendants of Abraham. But you do the deeds, not of Abraham, you do the deeds of your father. If you were of Abraham, you'd do the deeds of Abraham. And then he said, if you were of God, you would do the deeds of God. But you hate me. You can't hear me. And then he just, he didn't cut any slack from those who said they were descendants of Abraham. He said, no, you are of your father, the devil. And the deeds of your father, you always want to do. And the way you'll know them is by their fruit. By their fruit. Do they do the deeds of Jesus or do they not? And we're living in days that we're going to have to discern and hear the voice of God like we've never heard before. Isaiah 45, 21, I'm going to get to it, says, There's no God beside me, a just God and a Savior. And there's none beside me. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth.
And so that's happening right now. A lot of people are turning to him. Nations are turning to him. I heard about a prayer meeting in Israel this week, I think, or this week might have been. I tell you, weeks pass by now like days, moments, but there's prayer. People are beginning. There's a stirring. People are recognizing. You know, you read some of these scriptures, you think, man, there's no hope. Well, the truth is there is no hope outside of the hope. And his name is Jesus Christ. And it's the cross. It's the only way that men can come to him. It's the only way. It's the only way. No other way. Period. And we're going to trend, we're going to shout that message until the end of the age. In fact, the end of the age ain't even going to mess up that message. Because this gospel is going to be preached in all the world. Okay. So Lord, help me now deliver what you've given me. Lord, we thank you. This is not a day for thus saith man. If it's thus saith man, they better hurry up and sit down before you set them down. Because this is the hour of thus saith the Lord. And so, Lord, I ask you to purify, cleanse. As I open my mouth wide, you fill it. Lord, with that which is from heaven and not earth. We've heard all that men have to say, and we thank you, God, we're living in an hour where everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And yet we're not being shaken because our faith and our foundation is an eternal foundation, is of the kingdom of Almighty God. It's the only, only, only thing that will not be shaken of all the other things, all the nations. Thank you, God, you've called us. And we're right on time. Everyone in this room, we're right on time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Isaiah 40. Since we've been in Isaiah, there were other things I spoke to Chris about. And, you know, some things just have to unfold. And, and, uh, but I really love Chris Reed. I really believe, you know, that he's the man that God has set in, at the helm of Morningstar for such a time. Rick needs our prayers you know he had the stroke. Some of you didn't know after that he had a, a bacterial infection. He was telling me that he went to the hospital. They said, you came within about an hour of dying. It was just very serious. And then he's starting to get over that. And he was going to move up here and spend more time up here. And he was just moving his motorcycle because he's trying to sell it. He, he wasn't riding it. He's just moving it. And he hid some leaves, fell over, broke his fibula. And uh, now he's got to have surgery, I think, tomorrow or Wednesday. Anyway, he's been... I look at this as an assault against us. You know, the ministers are being assaulted left and right. And every which away. It's, it's the day in which we live. It, we're going to have to go to Revelation 12 here pretty soon. You know that. I want to know what it all it means, too. Because I really don't know, Lord. Lord, I don't know. I'm asking for revelation from Revelation chapter 12. What did you mean when you said woe to the inhabitants of the earth? For great is Satan's wrath. What did you mean? How do we stand, Lord? What do we do? And I think I know part of what we do. We stand on the word of God and we take up our cross and we follow him. And we're not even going to be concerned if they put us to death because it's just a quicker entryway to eternity and life forevermore. Now, Isaiah 40, it's a very, you know, popular scripture. Um, you know, that's the one, those that wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. How many of you think it's probably a good idea in this hour to wait upon the Lord? You can rush out and do your thing, and it might or might not happen. Probably won't happen or it will not produce any fruit of eternal value or you can wait on him now we know the word wait it's not just always sitting back it's an expectancy it is there's something about moving in faith as you're waiting on the Lord because you've heard from God and you believe God and so you're willing to step out but um, in verse one of that he says comfort ye comfort ye my people you look it up it means Speak to the heart of my people. Speak to their heart in this hour. And what in particular he's saying and reminding them that you're a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's part of our calling. Say, that's part of my calling. I'm preparing whatever you're called to do. You're called to prepare the way of the Lord into your family, your region, your nation, your whatever, your children's lives, just your testimony. But there are many ways. But um, he says in that scripture, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, say desert. Now, desert is sounds like to me a place where you're going to be lacking water. You need something to quench your thirst. You may get thirsty. He said, make a highway for our God there. Every valley shall be exalted. Valley are those low places we get into. You ever get into a low place emotionally? You know, we all, listen, in this hour, we're all subject to all the emotions that are out there. Don't be condemned if you give in, you know, and you get caught up in a valley. Just don't live there. Just get out of that valley. Every valley shall be exalted. We're all human people. We're going to live in this life. And then every mountain will be hill and hill will be brought low. To me, that means those things that are standing in the way of what God has said or what he's called me to do. Mountains. And then their crooked places going to be made straight. The rough places, you know, made smooth. So he says wilderness, desert, valley, mountains, crooked places, rough places, all put together. Nothing is going to stop the next verse from coming to pass. And that is the glory of the Lord. Cry out. Cry out the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. All the flesh shall see it all together for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. So whatever else fits in that category of crooked and, and, man, we have some crooked things going on. We have a crooked government. The crooked government's all over the earth. The crooked people. Our faith is not in people anyway. Our faith is in the Lamb of glory. But nothing is going to stop the glory of the Lord from being revealed. Okay, I've said all that to say what? This. I want to go to the valleys. The other day, oh, wait, you got to hear this first. I knew there was something that I forgot, and then we'll get to the valleys. This is crazy. Hey, you guys will appreciate this. Last Friday, not this Friday, the Friday before, we had another discipleship gathering in Uganda. It's the 28th discipleship gathering. Now, you know, we're on... You know, every Wednesday on the radio where revival is broken out and touching the surrounding nations. And now we're on every Thursday 
on a television station that goes to 47 African nations. 47 African nations preaching the gospel. And so, but we're still doing those discipleship gatherings because that's when the people come together that got saved from the radio and others. It's become a big crusade. People are being saved left and right and miracles. And most of them, I just, I think, I say, God, Lord, how do you, how did this happen? And he just says, well, because I must be God. You know, I'm, God does a great job of being God. Okay, so they're supposed to have the discipleship gathering on Friday, but it gets interrupted. And Annie is messaging me. She's the interpreter. David, we, we can't do it. The government has shut us down. There's great turmoil. There's confusion and great attacks against us. Pray. So we prayed. And um, so they had it Saturday. Guess what happened Saturday? A man comes up, stands before the people. He says, he's a witch doctor. He says, I'm the reason you could not have your gathering yesterday because I bribed the government. I'm the one. I've been cursing you. But God has convicted me, and I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. And you're having your discipleship gathering. And I said, this is the power of the gospel. That's why this week I shared what's happening in Gaza. Even in the midst of evil and darkness, you may have seen many of the Hamas soldiers are even being saved. God forbid. Who is this God? He's God Almighty. He said, it's my will that none should perish. And his ultimate plan is that there be great repentance. And anyway, God's getting glory behind walls, behind Barns and places you thought God had forsaken and given up on. He's the king of glory. And all the earth shall declare the glory. The glory of the Lord shall be made known. And anyway, it's happening whether we believe it or not. Because his word is going to come to pass. Okay, so here's... I can move quickly. I, I just... Wednesday, when I was down meeting with Chris... I asked him for a room where I could have a good internet so I could do the radio. I couldn't pick it up. It's a terrible internet. I didn't want to go stand in the hallway. That would be embarrassing. How do you do that in a hallway? So anyway, I just got as close to the door. And uh, so we didn't do Zoom. We did WhatsApp. So I'm WhatsApp. So I'm preaching on WhatsApp. And God gave, I didn't really know what to say up until maybe an hour and a half or so. So I just started putting down some notes and things. And this is what the Lord gave me. And I wanted to go in a little bit more detail today. Is that okay? It's the valleys. You know, they're going to be mountains, but they're also valleys. These are the valleys you've got to get through if you're going to be effective today in the kingdom. You don't want to get stuck in any of these valleys. Well, some of them you're going to go through regardless whether you're not. You just want to go through. And Bobby always reminds us. But the first valley mentioned, and I looked some up, Genesis chapter 14 and verse 17, the valley of Shaveh. Now, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but according to the Hebrew scholars, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Shaveh. It is, it is the valley of compromise. That's what it means. And I looked it up over in Genesis, and it wasn't necessarily a good compromise. It was a temptation to compromise your stance and your faith and your integrity and yield to some offer from 
from anywhere. But let me tell you what happened. In this valley, Abram was tempted to compromise his faith, his integrity. Melchizedek blessed Abram in the valley of the most, or in the name of the most high. So the king of Sodom shows up. Now, Melchizedek, you probably should listen to. If the king of Sodom showed up, you may want to be a little suspicious. There may some, be something coming out of his mouth you may not want to. But anyway, so he tempts Abram to take the spoils. So look over in verse 17 of Genesis 14. And really the king of Sodom wanted the people, he wanted their souls, and he was going to bribe or try to get Abram to compromise his faith. And the king, verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh. And after his return from the defeat of, yeah, that guy, and the kings who were with him, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of the God, of God most high, uh, the, uh, king of Salem, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe now. So Melchizedek blessed him. That would have been enough to get him to what chapter 15 is all about. But then verse 21, now the king of Sodom, Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons. You look it up, it means souls. And you take the goods for yourself. That I, and then, but Abram says, no. Abram said to the king, I've raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say you own me or whatever. And then it's in chapter 15 where God makes covenant with Abram. Do you realize right before he made covenant, he came to a crisis where he could have compromised everything that God had prepared him for? Yet he stood firm on his conviction. And today, the enemy will come and threaten people, you know, popularity, riches. I'll take it all from you unless you compromise. Let me tell you, don't you compromise an inch. Don't you surrender one inch of ground in that valley of compromise. The only way you're going to accomplish the, the ultimate purposes God has written out for you is that you walk through that valley without bowing the knee to Baal or the king of Sodom or whoever it is that wants you to bow to what they want you to bow to. Anyway, then the next is the valley of Sedim. I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly. But this is where Sodom and Gomorrah was located, where sin abounded. And now we go through these valleys as individuals. How many of you noticed the devil is a liar at all points? He comes along, and before you sin, if anyone says they have no sin, then they're a liar. So, you know, we're in this battle, and... Um, things, you know, we want to do, we don't do. So the enemy comes in. He says, okay, now go ahead and do it. Everybody's doing it. Don't you look around? Everybody's doing it. They're all getting away with it. Go ahead. Enjoy a little bit. It's fine. Everybody's doing it. And then when you do it, he comes back and says, now you've blown it. Do you see you've blown it? You're condemned. God left, left you. He doesn't love you anymore. It's over. You've surrendered it. Go home, pack your bags, buddy. It's over. Well, he's a liar at both points. 
He's a liar before. You don't have to give in. And, God forbid, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. If anyone sins, we have an advocate, and we can run to him and confess our sin. And if we confess our sin, acknowledge our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's a liar. But we need to understand we can stand, too, because no temptation will overtake us, which which is common to man. And with that temptation will come, what? The way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. What is the way of escape? Jesus, it's the cross. You take up your own cross, and you identify with he that took up his cross, the author and finisher of your faith. So anyway, you got to get through that. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. We don't have to give in to sin. Greater is he. The power of God in us, the grace of God will enable us, is greater than the power of sin that tempts us. No amens. Where is it over in Titus somewhere? The grace of God that brings salvation has taught you to live godly and soberly and righteously in this present age. You don't have to wait to heaven to live godly. We're to be living godly now. You have the power of God, the power of Almighty God. And then there's the valley of Eskol. I don't think that's pronounced right, but it's where Israel had to decide who they would serve, whether they would obey God or not, whether they would move forward or whether they would move backward. I don't think we get the luxury of just staying where we are anymore. you either going, Jesus said, either you're for me or you're against me. And we see them now on television. They're, they're gathering. Have you noticed the same ones that raised the Palestinian flags are the same ones that is trumpeting their love for abortion? Same crowd, same people finance them, not all of them, but they finance the leaders. They plan it out. They get them out there. They stir up the crowds. What a day in which we live. Same thing. But we've got to come to the place where we get to the crossroads and we determine either God, if God is God, follow him. If Baal, and the crowds are following Baal, they're going to follow him more. It's going to get ruckus. There's going to be a lot of ruckus. Well, there should be some ruckus in here. There's got to be one or two demons around this place. It should be making them mad. We should be stirring them up, God. What's going on here? But anyway, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not here. But anyway, crossroads. Now, when I was a little boy, and um, my dad would take me to this place, a barbershop in Crossroads, Mississippi. And uh, we'd leave my town in Louisiana and we'd go uh, east. You could go north and you'd get to Mississippi because I was right in the toe. And you'd go north to Columbia, you'd go east to, um, you know, Crossroads and then other towns that way. If you go west, you go to Baton Rouge, Lake Charles, Lafayette, you know, in God's country, in Cajun country, and I like going over there. But anyway, I, we would go to Crossroads to get my hair cut, and I didn't like going there because those guys always, in my estimation, would cut my hair too short, but my dad always wanted them to, so he liked going there. I didn't, but I went anyway. When you're a kid, you don't have a choice. You just jump up in the barber's chair, 
And you pray, God, don't let them cut it all off when you're a kid. That's the way I thought back in those days. And anyway, I didn't win the day. But we were at a crossroads. And at that crossroads, they had the barbershop right there. If you go left, you go to the Pearl River. And later would be the Boone's Camp. Remember I told you I had a spiritual mom named Miss Boone. Miss Boone owned the camp. So I'd love to go there. But if you go right, you go to the big city of Picayune. Now, I always thought, who in the world would name their city Picayune? Well, they probably thought, well, who in the world would name their town where you live Bogalusa? They probably thought it sounded just as ridiculous. Picayune, Bogalusa. Well, mind your own business. It's where I lived. They probably thought I should mind mine. But I remembered the crossroads. And we're going to be at a crossroads. I'm telling you, we're going to be at crossroads of our faith. Do you know the Lord said, when I return, will I even find faith on the earth? Why? Because many, obviously, are going to take the wrong turn. And the Bible says clearly there will be a great falling away from the faith. We will not leave this planet until the man of sin is revealed, regardless of what they've told us. The Bible says, until the man of sin is revealed. My own mind is, he's in the process. Many think they know who he is. I know some people that he sure could be. Man, he was a former, well, anyway. So anyway, that, and also there'll be the great falling away. So we're going to come to a crossroads. Are you ready? You're going to go, you may go kicking and screaming. A lot of times I didn't want to go that barber Mississippi redneck barber went haywire with my hair, but I went anyway. I had no choice, and we're going to have to make a choice. And in the way, there's the Valley of Kidron, and that's the Valley of Suffering. There's a cemetery. It's also the Valley of Jehoshaphat between Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives. It's where they say Samson, Samuel, and Absalom are believed to be buried, but it is a time, a Valley of Suffering. And you know, this part of our calling, Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. How many of you want to know the Lord in the power of his resurrection? And, and the fellowship of his sufferings. The calling card of Christianity, we've said this before, is not popularity, it was persecution. If you were persecuted, you knew that you represented the king of glory. If you were not, if you even think about living godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Jonathan Kahn, one of my favorites, had a message recently about are you ready for persecution? We need to talk about that. And we will, maybe next week. Maybe I can skip that wrath message another couple of weeks and preach on persecution. You know, getting your head cut off and stuff like that. Something a little bit more pleasant. But listen, before the crown, there had to be the cross. There's suffering. I want to show you a couple of scriptures. Look over in 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, are you guys good? We're going to, I'm going to move quicker, but I, I want to show you these things. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. You need to see this. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in the due time, not before then. And sometimes we, he wants us in the valley so that we can learn the valley 
lessons. And we're not getting out of that valley until we've learned the things He wants us to learn. We're under the hand of God there. And then He lifts us up, but He says, Casting all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, resist him, verse 9. Resist him. Say, resist him. Steadfast. Be steadfast in the faith. Why? Because you have an adversary. And look what's happening. Knowing that the same sufferings... Why, what sufferings? Sufferings that you experience as you're resisting your adversary, the devil. As you're standing firm on the truth and all of hell has tried to take you out. Stand firm, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And may the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory. In other words, what you're going through is not the end. There's eternity to come who's called you after you have suffered a while. How many of you like that scripture? I don't like it. But after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle. To him be glory and dominion. He's reigning and ruling forever and ever. Are you going to be perfected, established, strengthened, and settled without going through the first part of that chapter? That first part of those verses, I would think not. Now look over in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, anyway, I'll just sum that up. Verse 1 through 4, he's talking about how you've not yet resisted. Look, look at this, verse 1. Therefore, we are since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And lay us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You can quit along the way. You can turn back. You can forsake him. You're going to have an opportunity to do that one day, if you haven't already. But looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, he gave us an example, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down where he saw his ultimate reward. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, lest you become weary. Do you see that? Consider him. He went all the way to the cross for you so you don't grow weary and discouraged for you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. Not yet. I think I put in here there's an amplified classic version. It says, and you have not yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. So in other words, we need to consider him, stand in him. You read the rest of that, it talks about the discipline of the Lord, the chastening of the Lord. And when you're going through chastening, don't let bitterness spring up in your heart that will defile you. Unforgiveness and bitterness will send you in through the gates of hell, I promise you. I'm prophesying that. If you don't forgive men their trespasses, God said, Jesus said, neither will my Father forgive you in heaven. Not going to happen. You can claim all you want to claim. You've got to forgive others, forgive them over and over and over. But he's speaking about pursuing peace and holiness with all men and righteousness with which no man will see the Lord. And then there's the valley of Elah, the valley of battle. This is where David heard Goliath defying the armies of the living God. 
He could have joined the crowd. He heard all this, you know, running for cover. But David didn't run for cover. What did he do? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare taunt the armies of the living God? They all run. I'm going to stand. I'm going to fight Goliath. That's where we got to be. That's who you are. You see, Goliath is not as big as the Goliath inside of you, but he's not Goliath. He's the giant. He's the King Jesus who's greater than all. He's not Goliath, but he's a greater, far greater than Goliath. He's the God Almighty. And then there's the Valley of Rephium. I can finish. Take a few more minutes. Look in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. You've got to see this. This is going to help somebody because... My own opinion is we're at the turning point and things are going to get even more interesting on planet earth. Why else would he be preparing us for this hour? Why? To go on vacation? No, it's to fight in the battles. You know, thank you for bringing up that book. I forgot I wrote it. Imprecatory prayers. I saw... You sent it to me. Todd... Rick Joyner preached recently how the Lord visited him years ago and said that it, those who are one with me at the end of the age in these days, they're going to pray the judgments of God on the earth. Yes. Well, that's what that book's all about. And after you write it, then you almost think, Lord, maybe no one will read it. And then you think, no, wait a minute, they're supposed to read it. Why do you think he gave me that? And uh, we are to lift up that. Psalm 149. As you said, you know, that the judgments, you know, we are to pronounce them. This honor have all ye, his saints. Anyway, it's going to be an interesting hour in which to live. So look at this, First Chronicles chapter 11. Now, this is the valley of Rephium, and it is the valley of the giants. And uh, verse 13, he says, and he was with David at, in, in Pasdemum, Anyway, whatever that means. Now, therefore, uh, there the Philistines were gathered for battle, and they fled, you know, from the Philistines and all. And we know what happened. I shared that with you. But now notice in verse 22. This is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Benaiah was the son of Jehodiah, the son of a valiant man from Kabzil, who had done many mighty deeds, and he had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. And he had also gone down in a, and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. That, to me, is an amazing story. Here's a man. He's standing before two lion-like figures. But he's not afraid. So he goes down in a pit to fight a real lion. And it's snowing in the pit. Now, think about it. If you're facing a lion, you don't want to be in a pit. There ain't no way out. No backing up. You look around, there's no way to get out. Not only is there no way out, it's snowing. Now, I grew up in Louisiana, but I know enough about snow. We've been up here long enough. You don't get that great traction. You know, you should have seen my tires when I first moved north from Louisiana. My tires, I couldn't get around. I had to call the deacons of that church almost every day. Can you come get me out? I'm in a mess. Where are you? I'm in the ditch. I don't know how to drive in this stuff, all this white stuff. I thought you'd spin around 
put on the gas, had a good time, shove and jam and push and, you know, just, it ain't what you do. But anyway, think about this guy. He's in a pit. There's a lion staring him face to face. No way out. And it's snowing. The, The conditions are unfavorable. How does that speak to us? We're going to be living in times where the, the conditions are not going to be in your favor. They're going to look unfavorable. You're going to f- be faced with lions, giants, demons, bears, you name it. And there's no way out. You're going to have to choose. And you're going to have to believe that the greater one lives inside of you. I remember hearing a story of a man that he shared his dream. He said in the dream he had this fear. Satan was coming to him. It was in the fog, and Satan was walking towards him in this fog in a dream. And he felt fear. And then he said another figure came out of the side. Jesus came stood right in front of him. And when he stood in front of him, Satan stopped. He said, all of a sudden, Jesus started doing something really strange. He said, he started backing up. His legs went inside my legs. His chest went inside my chest. His arms went inside my arms. He said, all of a sudden, it was natural. My arm raised. I pointed at Satan, and I said, Satan, bow. And he bit the dust. And then he remembered, greater is he that is in me. I'm telling you, don't ever forget, greater is he that is in you. Than he that is in this world. That is the truth. And then there's the valley of salt. I'll just go quickly, but this is where David made a name for himself when he, not before, but when he returned from killing 18,000 Edomites in the valley of salt. And that just tells me battles do not keep you from effective ministry, they prepare you for it. And you, the victories that you win now will enable you then to overcome whatever it is you face. So the greater the battles, the greater the anointing or the calling on your life. And you have need of endurance for after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. So don't look for an escape from the battle. No, go into the battle with victory in mind. You're already a victor. So you'll be prepared for the battles that are yet ahead. Does that make sense? And then there's the valley of weeping. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait because I want to really go into the valley of weeping and the valley of Gehenna and the valley of Achor and the valley of Jezreel and the valley of vision. And the last one I'm not going to tell you. You have to come back to get it. And there are many. I, I get so many valleys we could, maybe this week God will add some more. But that'd be a good place to wrap it up today. The greater one is inside of me and you. And we're going to stand. And the whole earth, every valley, mountain, desert, what else? Crooked place, rough place, what was the other? Wilderness. Regardless of what comes my way, nothing will stop the glory of the Lord from being revealed in me and through me because I'm going to help make the knowledge of the glory of the Lord known in my testimony and my walk of faith. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, those that are watching. Thank you, God, for the valleys, but I thank you for the promise 
that every valley will be lifted up, exalted, every mountain brought down. I thank you for the glory of the Lord which shall be revealed in us. God, I thank you for the battles. How many of you would say, thank you, Lord, for battles? You would rather have avoided them, but God had a purpose in you enduring them so that you could see his goodness and mercy and his power and you would be a vessel of honor in the house of God. Lord, we thank you for every battle, but we thank you for the victories because we are more than conquerors and we always triumph in Christ Jesus. No other way to triumph except in Christ, but in Christ we always do. And Lord, I ask you to touch people this morning. I ask you to encourage them and fill them with hope. Just fresh fire in their, whatever they're called to do, their ministry, their vision, their, their mission in life. You know, your job is a mission in life. For right now, God may change things, but it's your mission, it's your, your field, your mission field. And I just thank you, Lord, this fresh fire, fresh anointing. The joy of the Lord is their strength. The peace of God will prevail. Lord, I pray right now for people watching. Lord, let this be the day of salvation. For this is the day that you've determined that men might be saved. You said it's not your will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So, Lord, we pray for great convicting power. If you're in this room, you've never surrendered yet to Jesus. Maybe there's a question. Maybe you've wavered. Maybe you need to come back home to him. This is the hour to come back home. Don't be left out in there, man. You need to come home. Come out from among them. Be separate. Come to him, he said. All you that weary, levy, heavy laden. But I want to lead you in a prayer. Those of you that are watching, just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the son of God. He died, was buried, he rose from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. I believe God has raised his son from the dead. And I believe the blood of Jesus is enough to cleanse me of all my sin. I turn from sin and I turn my life over to you. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of God. Use me for the rest of my life to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Why don't you stand? We're going to open our altars. They're always open. You come anytime. But Ricky, thank you for having the altar meeting yesterday with all the leaders. And we've got a great crew. We need some additional people to serve on altar teams. All it's going to do take is a little more shaking in America. They're going to come to where the water is. They're going to come looking for quint, you know, something that will quench their thirst. So they're going to flood places like this looking for help and hope and there's help and hope in him how many of you know that and you know who's leading the home fires meeting tonight Yvonne and she's going to start a, a book study on Philippians 
And I think that's a very appropriate book. She said the Lord gave it to her. I would encourage you to come 6 o'clock at the Welcome Center. Philippians, there's some powerful lessons about suffering and many things that are there. But anyway, just bless every one of you. Bless your families. We're going to the Mexican restaurant. And but come for prayer. God bless you. Have a great week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.